You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. So, should we just punch in? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, are you guys already recording on your end? I am. Okay, sneak attack. Yeah. Brian hates it when I do that. We do a, a couple of podcasts together, and I, uh, I've i done sneak attack on him a few times. And, and Yeah, I try to do it to Jason all the time, because mm-hmm. he's usually saying something super racist before we start recording. That's not surprising. Yeah, so I try to catch him, but it's he's hard to catch. He's wily. I don't like Phil, I don't like Filipinos. I, I'm not going to apologize for it. You like Filipino midgets? That that's the only Filipino that yeah. I, I can get on board with. Mm. Yeah. Is that is that a, a more of a fetish than a preference, or is that? I uh, you know I don't like to label it, Caleb. I don't yeah. like to put a label on love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't don't. If you label me, you negate me. Okay. Yeah, I dated a Filipino once. Did you? She was crazy. Was she a midget? <laughs> See, you she know wasn't a midget, about. but she was crazy. She uh, was a Californian too. Yeah. Hey, what happened to the Vikings this year? They just kind of choked. Uh, yeah, they did. That's just Minnesota fans or Minnesota teams. They choke all the time. Do you see his Viking purple? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. Yeah, and my friends that are up here are just hardcore Vikings fans. So I end up. There was the game where they played the Seahawks a few weeks back. Yeah. And yeah. I stayed home. I watch. Every, I watch. I go watch football with them every Sunday. And that Sunday, I was like, "Nope, I'm staying home because uh, he gets." I'm not that into football. I just kind of like watching it with everybody. But he's super into it, and so it was, I just thought, "This is not. A, I'm not going to root for the Vikings. I root for them in every other game because of him. But I can't root for him against the Seahawks." And so I just kind of stayed home. Yeah, I, I I get pissed when they lose, but then I'm like, "Well, it's not going to change my life." So <laughs> the next day, I'm fine. Do you but watch whatever. them play and think? Well, they didn't deserve to win anyway, so they didn't play. Ooh, they deserved ooh, to win. Shots fired. Yeah. Well, I, I when they well, no, lost. That's what my friend, my friend here. That's what he says all the time. He's like, I'm okay because I'm okay with that loss because they played like shit. Oh so. yeah, absolutely. I tweeted at the Vikings when they lost. I'm like, you guys suck. We're, like our quarterback <laughs> got paid like 80 million for like three seasons, and after right. I send like my viciousness through tweets, I'm like, I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> Lose no sleep. Yeah, you guys are hardcore over there. Hardcore yeah. uh, football fans. Yeah, we are. Uh, it's not a lot to do when it gets this cold, though. Sure. <laughs> yeah. It's nine degrees here today. Nine. Oh, holy crap! Mm-hmm. It's but like we've had a warm. Su- we had a warm. Forty nine there. Yeah, I would take that mm-hmm. over not forty degrees warmer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. So, is, is this what we're seeing? And for the listeners, we're on a video chat now. Is, is what we're seeing? Is this where you guys record DXP all the time? Yeah, we yes. just moved into this space. So this is okay. a, this is a bedroom upstairs. We were down in the basement. And the okay. basement was just, I mean, words can't describe to you what a shithole my basement yeah. is. Right now, there's something dead down there, and mm-hmm. I don't know where it is, and it smells just god-awful down there. My mm. laundry's down there, and so I'm afraid that my laundry's going to, when I take it down there, it's going to come back smelling like a dead animal. Mm. Um, and it's cold. It's it's like colder in the basement than it is outside. You guys have yeah. no idea there in Minnesota how cold the basements <laughs> here in Seattle get. Okay, You don't even know. So we just moved. I just remodeled. My son moved out, and then I remodeled this room and set it up for us to do a podcast. We don't normally sit right next to each other like this. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. I do also feel the thought across my head. To hold hands, though. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, it'd be, it's kind of sweet, kind of cute if you guys just like reach across. We the can table. hold hands, though. Yeah, we can so. hold hands. That's nice. <laughs> there you oh, go. hey, you got me all excited. <laughs> oh. I don't know how I'm supposed to concentrate now. <laughs> Speaking of cold, those nips are popping <laughs> right out. What are you guys drinking? Whiskey, Diet Cola. And mine's a vodka, nice. Diet Coke. Nice. Yeah. You call it cola now? Well, it's, it's not. It's diet. Is it Diet Coke? Yeah. Oh, Diet Coke. 
Oh, because you don't buy brand name stuff. No, dude. But you buy the cheapest stuff that you can buy. Yeah. Right? What do you think I am? Some sort of uh, <laughs> millionaire? <laughs> I can go buy like brand name cola. So, to you, so you call it diet cola now? Whiskey and diet cola. Well, when I go to a, when I go yeah I, <laughs> when I go to a bar I, I order whiskey diet whiskey diet and they know what okay. it is. Oh, there you go. That's I don't, I don't ever change. order a Jack and Coke. You order a Jack and Coke, they're going to charge the you for Jack, Jack Daniels. Daniels and oh, name yeah. brand Coke. You can yeah. order you can order a, a whiskey RC cola. I have a whiskey tab. Whiskey <laughs> <laughs> whiskey Sam's Club. Whiskey Jolt. There you yeah. go. What's the what's the stuff you buy at the grocery store? Uh, refresher. <laughs> oh, it's like the Safeway brand. It's Safeway brand. Safeway brand. Oh, yeah. I buy Safeway. Okay. Brand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have Safeway here. Yeah. You don't have Safeway there? No. Really? I thought Safeway was national. I don't, I don't. Well, I think it's just more West Coast. I thought. Do you have Kroger? No, we do down south in Kentucky. We have Kroger. But. Okay. Our, our big one up here is a local thing called Cub Foods. It's based out of Minnesota, so that's our big one. And then we have Target and. We just got high V in. You, do you have like, well, Alpha Beta's gone, right? Albertsons, Alpha Beta. Albertsons. Albertsons. Lucky, Vons, Alpha Beta. Are those all just California grocery stores? I think so. I recognize Albertsons, but the rest yeah, of them Yeah, yeah. Are... I've seen Albertsons not out, like, outside of California, but I think that's more just like a West Coast thing. I think when you, some, something happens when you grew up in Southern California, you get this kind of myopic view of the world. You just assume everybody has Vons and Alpha Beta and yeah. Albertsons and Lucky. Everybody goes to Carpeteria. <laughs> right. But then you grow up and you find out that the rest of the world isn't like you. Mm-mm. I have to say, I'm not even being sarcastic. I know this will sound like I'm being a dick, but this is the most stimulating conversation I've had all day. I've just been talking about how it's eight degrees all day with everyone I've run into. So, <laughs> yeah, so. No offense, man. <laughs> how do you yeah. handle that? Like, Don't your car door handles freeze and stuff? Like, yeah. Sometimes. Do you have to take a hair dryer like, out there? To- I have an 04 Saturn, and stupid thing with Saturns is like, you know, when you shut your door, there's like that little tooth. That connects to the metal part oh, of your yeah. door, and ours is plastic. So when it gets super cold, it just like bounces. So like <laughs> it's, it's not broken; it's just it's plastic, and it just bounces open every every time it gets super cold. So I'm like, great, awesome. Mm. But the cool thing about a Saturn is that you can kick it, and it won't make a dent. Pretty much, that's <laughs> nice with plastic. Like I could just get take my anger out, and it just bounces off. There you go. I remember that being one of the selling points of Saturns was that. You could like kick it and make a dent in it, and just pops right back out. Yeah, pretty much the only part of the car that's like steel is the top of the car, and then obviously the engine and the other undercarriage. I think they had a whole marketing campaign around the fact that you could just kick the shit out of it and have no effect. So, yeah, it's I, 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 it's pretty good campaign. I, didn't, I, mean, I, I remember didn't, it. I didn't know this until <laughs> just now. Really, I didn't know this. Yeah, like a deal. <laughs> like if you're at a uh, a sale, a car salesman would just come, just kick it, and there'd be like no dent. <laughs> Car is amazing. Like, hey, bro, check this shit out and just kick the kick shit. the car, kick the car. It doesn't run good, but check <laughs> out this. It don't take it in thirty-two degree weather. It tops below. out at fifty-five. But look what we can do to the door. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what are some of the things you guys have to deal with with eight degree weather? I mean, do you have to like blink a lot so that your eyes don't freeze, or yeah. what? You just got to wear layers. See, I've only lived here for a, for a year, right out of a year. And so okay. uh, I'm still picking up tips. The I'd say, I'd say the best tips I've picked up, one of which sounds like a well, I think they probably all sound like a joke, but one is to uh, bundle up. Obviously, there's layers. I mean, anywhere you go, you got yeah, layers. But sure. but to uh, walk backwards into the wind. What? <laughs> right. Uh, you know, your um, face doesn't get all dry so can, and crackly. Yeah, from, and so you can breathe also. Yeah. And um, I had a, a neighbor who showed me that you can pull out the uh, what's it called in. 
like the the pad or the the floor mats in your car. You can pull out the floor mats, flip them upside down, and then use the the kind of uh, spiked side of it, like the the kind of perforated spike side of it, and put it underneath your tires and use that as, as leverage to. Oh, if you get stuck. Uh huh. Yeah, well, yeah. Instead of like cat litter or something. like that. What a lot of us use, we either have sand in our trunk to like if we get stuck. But what works really good if you get stuck is cat litter. Really? Because it's like gravel. So if it's like super icy, you just throw cat litter under your wheels and. So that's something you just have to think about. Is just that you're at some point in the winter just going to get stuck somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah, you will get stuck. Another tip: it would be move to somewhere else. Hmm. <laughs> but that's not so it's damn true. cold. I, I'm I'm a native Minnesotan and. Like our weather, our, our winter sucks, but the summers are pretty good. I'll say that summers are good. Yeah, those, that two weeks of summer is pretty good. They stop it. Yeah, both times I've been there have been have been summer. One was like May, and the other one was July, and it was it was nice. We just like to party a lot, so we we party all all the seasons. Oh yeah, you guys we drink Bush have a winter- Light like it's just going out of business. There you go. Over there. Yeah, hey, we have a lot of breweries here. We have a lot of That's true pubs. Mm-hmm. We like yeah. to get drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you guys know each other? Through uh, Revolution Church, Jay Baker's Church. Okay. Uh huh. Yeah. So I started going there. Well, the reason I moved out here, I think Jason we talked about this a little bit last time we talked, but uh, uh, the reason I moved out here to Minnesota was was because of Revolution Church and Jay Baker. And uh, so is he centered there in Minnesota? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, like the first uh, was it like the first two weeks or so, Brian? Because because Brian's a pastor also in another church. Okay. And I've recently started uh, talking at Revolution. Also, I wouldn't call myself a pastor, but I, I do preach sermons there. And uh, and like my maybe second or third week there, I met Brian because he kind of alternates between the churches he goes to. Yeah, Caleb, what, what made you move there for the church? Like, what what about the church like attracted you that much that you wanted to move to Minnesota? Oh well, um, that's man. Now I'm getting interviewed. This is a good. There little, you go. Oh, a good twist. Sorry. I like this. No, no, it's great. No, 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 no. Like, please, no. I, I love. I love it. Uh, yeah, it was, um, I love talking about myself, so this is perfect. Uh, um, it was, I was going through, you know, like kind of deconstructing, whatever, whatever. At the time I still fully believed in God and, 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 uh, completely identified as, you know, a, a traditional Christian, I suppose. And, um, just Jay's mess like I, I saw a bunch of his youtube videos like his interview with uh, larry king talking about christian agnosticism and his videos about uh coming out as lgbtq affirming and um things like that and it was just like within the sphere of christian dome that i still fully kind of immersed myself in it was yeah. it was revolutionary and life-changing and i was obsessed with podcasts and i was doing my own podcasts so i just kind of started doing that and revolution church podcast Really, I mean, it just like really changed my life, and I was, uh, I guess, I guess I was twenty seven still, because it was yeah. Anyway, but I uh, I just figured like I'm technically still in my twenties. I don't have any you know serious uh, romantic relationships or a family or anything like that. And it's just like if there's a time to do something crazy out of passion and kind of throw caution to the wind. Uh, then, then it, it kind of made sense, and I reached out to him, and it, and it sounded like he could use someone with my, you know, audio skills and things like that. And so I just kind of said, "Fuck it," and and now I'm here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Does he, so does Jay have a um, like an actual like physical church that he shows up at on weekends and preaches? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, at a 
place called Bryant Lake Bowl. It's a bowling alley restaurant, and then there's like a little theater room, and okay. he just rents that theater room out every Sunday. Do you guys um, bowl afterwards? Like, huh? Do you guys bowl afterwards? We have, uh, not all the time. Um, it gets pretty. It gets pretty busy on uh, football Sundays. It's pretty uh, cool. It's really retro. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like um, it's not like a modern, you know, bowling alley. It has like it's kind of like a punk rock type feel to it. It's okay. probably not been renovated. Like a lot of the, like the instead of having like a display screen or anything like that, you know, you have to take take your own score down. They have like a oh, bunch of lights. Nice. Yeah, I know, right? You have to like go to school for that. You have to have a degree to do that, but they have like lights above the the alley or mm-hmm. each lane that, excuse me, that show you that show you like how many pins you knock down. Most of those lights are like broken. Yeah. It probably hasn't been renovated in I don't know like thirty years or something like it's, that. It's the hipster part of Minneapolis. It's very yeah, very hipster. Is that and is that in Minneapolis then? Yep, yep. And called Uptown, Uptown Minneapolis. Okay, All right. Yeah, it's pretty hip. It's pretty cool. But yeah, it's literally it's literally a theater. Like uh, I think it used to be an arcade. It's a theater. Oh, come on now. <laughs> come on. Theater? Theater? How do you say it? You say it. Theater. Theater. Yeah. Theater. That's okay. We have a voicemail that we're going to play on this week's podcast where I just get ripped into for saying, um, re- was it reputable? How do I say it? Yes, I remember that. Reputable. Yeah. Reputable. You kept saying reputable. Yeah. What, but, are you, what are you, some sort of fucking moron? <laughs> 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 Pretty much. <laughs> Or excuse me, Moron. <laughs> Maron. Yes. So Theatre. Okay, this Theatre. is your interview. Oh, I'm sorry, I've been uh I'm just curious. No, yeah, no, I, I this makes yeah, my job you're easier. Interviewing them. That's no, I don't mean to be. I'm just having a conversation. Yeah, that's how I, I prefer to do it. And uh yeah. And it makes like I said, it makes our job easier because uh, we've literally like wrote down a single we came up with a single question for you guys. So okay. this is Well this we is have helping. more than one. Oh, shit, more than one. Let's make your job harder, then. Oh, no. Yeah. We're just going to sit here until you have something interesting to ask us. Well, what we came up with was um, I wanted to bring up the fact that you guys are definitely the the baldest podcast um, in within the sphere of, of influence right now. And uh, you guys are actually shockingly balder than I thought you'd be now, now seeing you. Yeah, I mean, I don't uh, even have eyebrows, video. so you can't get yeah. balder than my face. You guys are pretty fucking bald. Yeah. No, do you do you want to? How, how do I follow up that? How do, well, Brian, Brian, was that the Brian's, question? The, yeah, that was. That it. wasn't no. even a question. It was like you guys are bald. My question for you is: You guys are bald. Why? How the question is response. No, that that was the transition. The question is: Why are you guys so fucking bald? No, okay. uh, but no, Brian. Brian's a lot more serious than I am. Uh, we do we do a, a handful of podcasts together, and. Uh, and I'm, I usually try to derail things, and Brian tries to bring it back. But uh, if you guys want to get into spiritual theological stuff, that's kind of the premise of of what we're talking about. And so, if you want to lead in that, Brian, otherwise we can just keep bullshit and shooting the shit. Yeah, I uh, I started a podcast called the Sacred Collective. Caleb's a part of it. Um, he does all the audio stuff too. And it was just there's a whole bunch of us. It's a hodgepodge. Some are do you let him, do you let him talk on that one? Huh? Do you let him talk on that one? He makes me edit myself out oftentimes. <laughs> well, well, you like to say no, fuck. I'm not lying. Well, one time you said fuck like 15 times in like a minute. Were you and like, that's like, too much. You need to cut out like eight of the fucks. <laughs> well, I might actually get funding for a podcast from my denomination too. And so it's one of the most liberal denominations. So I was like, calm down with the fucks a little bit. What denomination, and then there was, what denomination are you? United Church of Christ. Ah, 
There was also a time where I made a comment about how deep-throating a dildo doesn't benefit either party because the person with the dildo, or the strap, a strap-on, because the person wearing it yeah. and the person deep-throating it, neither of them gets any pleasure out of yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, for how liberal <laughs> our denomination is, and it had, no, it had nothing to do with their conversation. Wait a minute, do I have to edit this out now? No, no, you don't. Okay. How do you know the person no, doing but, the deep-throating doesn't like doing that? Yeah. Just for the sake of doing it? How do you know that they don't I'm, get a pleasure out of yeah, thinking about it being a real but, dick? Yeah, but I feel like they could just they could just get a dildo and not have a person with a strap on. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be an exchange. You know, they could just like get a, a cucumber or something and do it for themselves. Well, when you inter- hey, Caleb, when you interviewed me for Air of Grievances, you said something yeah. about butt fucking the dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, right. And I just and dude, did. I lost it for like ten minutes because yeah. we're talking about I mean, like if the- you if you need there to be a hell. In order for you to not just to just butt fuck the dog the first chance you get, <laughs> and dude, I just started cracking up for like ten minutes. I couldn't couldn't get it back together. I listened to that one at work, and I I lost it. I was crying <laughs> at work. Well, Whoops, it's good. You're a comic relief, Caleb. Maybe. Yeah. What were we talking about? Okay, uh, I don't know. No, I guess I'll kind of shoot. Um, so kind of, I was. I'm more interested. I listen to you guys every Monday when your episode drops at work. It's always a great start to my work week because who likes to work on Mondays? But listening to you guys on Monday is always fun. Um, I guess kind of tell us a little bit more how you guys. You guys are from so- SoCal, right? Yeah. Originally, and like how you grew up, like evangelical. And I know you, Christian, are more agnostic. You say, um, and Jason, you're more went to the Catholicism side. Kind of just. I don't know, briefly kind of just go how you got there from where you grew up to where you're at now, respectively. Loaded. Well, um, unlike him, I didn't grow up in any kind of serious evangelicalism. Like when I was a kid, we'd go to church occasionally, Um, you know, maybe like Christmas and Easter and that kind of thing. Um and it wasn't, I, I think it was, I was in sixth grade, so I was 12 years old when my mom sent my brother and me to Awana oh. at a ba- local Baptist church. And that's kind of like when we first started going regularly to church. And then... Um, you were 12? I was 12. Mm-hmm. And I prayed a prayer, you know, um, because they, they... Well, that's what did it right there. They told us a story about some kid. We had like story time at Awana, you know, and they told us a story about this kid who comes home from school and, the, and he missed the rapture. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and so like yep. he's just fucked, you know, mm-hmm. and um, he's all alone and I freaked out. And so I got my friend Gary to pray with me to accept Jesus into my heart as my personal Lord and Savior. And then, but I was still pretty nominal, you know, and um, didn't take it very seriously until I started going to Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa to their high school when I was a junior, and that's when I met Christian. And that's the school that he had been involved with since he was young. And for me, it was new. But that that was when I started taking it super seriously. So you, you were still pretty nominal, I think, when you started there. When I started there, I was. Yeah, yeah. it yeah. took a couple months. Because you were still listening to you too. Oh yeah, I was yeah. I was very rebellious. <laughs> <Do you Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I I was all in on the Calvary Chapel thing. Um, within a few months of starting to go there, my junior year of high school, so it was like which you know, which cute girl was it that made you want to do that? All of them. 
Um, but we it did was have like, a high proportion of cute girls for being a class of thirty kids. Dude, it was crazy. The school we had, a, a st- our student body in the high school was maybe a couple hundred, and there's probably like twenty hot girls. Yeah, that's like twenty percent or ten percent. <laughs> right. That's that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, and the more spiritual you were, like the more like chicks did just the, dug the you. The more they'd sit there in class and like rub your arm. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> I played guitar and I had long hair, you know. Um, this is, 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 I peaked. I must, think I peaked. It's been nice to have hair. I peaked in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so I got, su- I was super all in on the evangelicalism thing. You know, both of us at some point after high school went to Africa as missionaries, went to Europe as missionaries. Um, and then we both became Calvinists in the mid 90s, which got us kicked out of Calvary. And so I moved back to Southern California. I went to seminary at Westminster in, in San Diego and got and studied kind of to be a Presbyterian minister, which is what I eventually became. And that's why I moved up to the Seattle area is to plant a PCA church, which I pastored um, from like 2005 until 2012. And 2012 is when I quit because I wanted to be a Catholic because I had been studying Catholic stuff for like four years leading up to that moment. Um, so I, so I, I, I stepped down to become a Catholic and was thinking I was going to be this like Catholic sp- speaker guy, theologian guy. Yeah, you're going to be exactly what you were for Presbyterianism, but Catholic, an apologist, yeah. yes. Catholic apologist. Yeah. yeah. But then my marriage like, uh, fell apart. And so it was and like, we started the podcast. Yeah, so it was like, ah, oh, so so much for my career as a Catholic spokesperson. We started the podcast, and Christian kept saying "fuck." Yeah, and talking about stuff. It's like, well, I can't be a Catholic apologist anymore. So we, so three episodes <laughs> in, we changed our name to Drunk Ex Pastors. Yeah, and I, I uh, whoa, 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 what was the original name? It was just called. Well, uh, we I had a website called Heavy for the Vintage, which is a um, line from a Steinbeck uh, from a Grapes of Wrath, and so um, it was like the podcast was like a, a an aspect of, of the heavy for the vintage thing that I was doing. But then... Um, and if you listen to the first few, it's much more serious. Yeah, it's that's like, kind of what it was. Hello, I'm Jason Stellman. I'm here with my friend Christian Kingery. <laughs> and you're listening to episode one of Heavy for the Vintage. Yeah. Yeah. But then, so then um, once, once I was a, a, a separated, um, you know, soon to be divorced guy, it was like, okay, well... All of my dreams are over, <laughs> so I'll just do a podcast called Drug Ex Pastors and uh, effectively set fire to literally everything I've been building for my entire life. When I suggested, I remember like where I was, I'm up in my office and I wrote you and said, we should change the name to Drunk Ex Pastors. Sorry, I don't know if you guys can hear that. My computer's making noise. Um, we should change the name to Drunk Ex Pastors. And you at first were like, uh, <laughs> it was just kind of this like. I don't know about that. And then like two hours later, you're like, look, I changed all the names everywhere. It's drug things <laughs> yeah. <ex-pastors." laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so that's, awesome. that's my story. Yeah. Mine's, mine's somewhat similar. I, except that I was, I would consider myself to have been a little bit more indoctrinated and, uh, kind of conditioned, uh, to believe, um, that all the kind of evangelical bullshit, uh, I so my mom went to a my mom wasn't Christian at all and she went to a Greg Laurie Bible study. Do you know who Greg Laurie is? Because he does like he's kind of like the um, 
He's kind of like a Billy Calvary Chapel's Billy Graham, Calvary Chapel of the church being we grew up in. And uh, she went to one of his Bible studies, got quote unquote saved. And like the next day pulled me out of public school first grade and put me in Maranatha Christian Academy, which um, I went to for eight years. And then, you know, and was shown the thief in the night movies over and over again. Oh gosh, those you know, are creepy. So mm-hmm. creepy, especially when you're a kid and it's like you'd yes. have to watch those if you were if it was um inclement weather. If it was like raining outside, you know, in California because we're like <laughs> we don't know what to do if there's rain. Like they're going to bring all the kids inside, it's raining. And um yeah, we'd watch either like Ben-Hur or Thief in the Night or one of these like kind of super religious movies that would just as a kid scare, Hell's Bells scare the shit out of you. We did Hell's Bells have in 6th grade. Have you guys seen grade. Hell's Bells? It's, no, it's all about so. it's all about satanic backward masking in eighties hair metal. Yeah, uh, and Led Zeppelin. Records. Led Zeppelin was a big part of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just you know, so secular music is completely off the table and all that stuff. And so uh, I went to public school for a couple of years because we didn't have a high school. But then they started a high school called Calvary Chapel High School, and I went back there my junior year, and that's where I met Jason. Like I think first day I met Jason because we had a mutual friend, and. Um, yeah, we both did mission stuff uh, separately uh, and then eventually together in Hungary. And then we got kicked out of Hungary, like Jason said, not kicked out of Hungary, kicked out of Calvary Chapel. And Jason went to seminary and I had two kids um, at the time. So I went to work and um, just kind of eventually I didn't have any plans to not be a Christian. It was just like I had plans to not be in Christian leadership anymore. Mm-hmm. And so a few years went by. And, um, my, me and my, my old wife and my kids moved up to Seattle and, um, and then we kind of, we went to church for a while to a Presbyterian church. And then I kind of just decided, you know what? I'm not totally sure if I believe this because I was raised believing it and indoctrinated Mm. in it or if I really, really believe it. And I thought, how can you be sure if you believe something, if you're repeating stuff to yourself all day long, you're seeing the songs every weekend, you're reading, trying to read your Bible every day, all the books you read are about it, all the music you listen to is about it. And so I kind of decided I'm going to take a step back, stop going to church, which was something I'd never done in my entire life. Um, Listen to what I want to listen to, watch what I want to watch, you know, hang out with who I want to hang out with. And um, eventually I just got to the point where, wow, if I'm not reinforcing this stuff constantly... I don't believe it. And yeah, so, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I considered myself an agnostic and never like publicly said so until about the time we started the podcast. And that that's when I was like, you know what? I'm going to be arguing for agnosticism here because that's right. what I've come yeah. to believe. So, wow. Yeah. Do you, um, do you acknowledge like still retaining the, fear? like the infrastructure? Sorry. The fear. <laughs> the uh, fear of hell and uh, missing the Yeah, map. I mean that that ties into my question. I was I was just going to say the infrastructure of of the morality and of the you know of 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 the 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 economy of this you know Judeo Christian ethic. Do you still do you still acknowledge like retaining that, or is it just is it just like pushing away fully from that worldview as a whole? Well, I mean, I'm. It's not like I'm looking at Christianity and going everything Christianity teaches is awful. And I want to go mm. out and, and butt fuck dogs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Call back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't understand or I don't see the harm or danger in some of the stuff that Christianity or especially some forms of Christianity, um, you know, consider part of their uh, morality, you know? Absolutely. Um, so like, like I, 
you know, I don't see the harm in two people that like care about each other to some extent, even if it's just wanting to make each other feel good having sex, whether they're married or not, you know, um, that kind of thing. But obviously I think also that, you know, love is like one of the most important things in life and we should do our best to love each other and forgive each other and all that stuff. Yeah. Would you call yourself like a humanist or or do you even have a, a label that you would fully conform to right now? Uh... I mean, I think agnostic is like the only thing I'm comfortable with right now. Yeah, but sure. um, I mean, I like the idea that there's something else. I'm in my mind. I'm pretty convinced it's not some um, omnipotent singular God that is, you know, worry about what we do with our mm-hmm. we worry about the the formation. We put certain letters in and, you know, yeah. whether or not we play with ourselves every once in a while, <laughs> you know, uh, uh-huh. but I, you know, I, I like the idea that there's. Um, something else, whether it's just some kind of global consciousness or, or, or something, but I don't have any proof for it really. But, sure. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think there's, to me, there's, there's less proof that there's some all knowing, all loving God that is, you know, concerned with our day to day, you know, rules and what kind of music we listen to and all that. Stuff. Right. Yeah. A big angry, sky dad with a big swinging dick who's yeah. pissed off at you like about. i hear the stories in the in the bible and i think a lot of them are just ridiculous you know oh yeah um, tell me about it so I, I mean why isn't it still going on like if, if if there's a big angry dude in the sky who shoots down fire at people he's pissed off at why isn't that happening right yeah. now? yeah and, and like it's just fucking absurd yeah and if you read every like cultures religions they all have stuff like that you know they all they're all trying to explain and it's kind of one of the things that makes me think there might be something after this life is like it's all of our uh, human attempts to explain. Religion seems like all of our attempts to explain something that's beyond this life that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. Right. And but we like to have all these rules around it all. We like to form these ideas of specifically what it is. And to me, I just think to, in my mind, religion, whether it's, you know, uh, Buddhism or Christianity or Judaism or Islam or whatever is, is man's attempt to like define it. I don't think you really can. That's where I would consider myself agnostic. Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. Awesome. What do you think of a uh, Christian agnosticism? Have you heard of that term? Well, Jason, you're, you would consider yourself a Christian agnostic, right? Yeah. I mean, you might be using it in a more technical sense. Um, I mean, on, I like I, I kind of like, like I'd be curious to hear how you would define it. Like I I sort of think of it as what do you call that X Y axis? What do you call that? Is that what it's called X Y axis? The, the crazy hot matrix. The cra- kind of the crazy hot matrix. Oh, that's not there's a there's a you know there think of a X axis as sort of uh, theist and atheist, and mm-hmm. then think of an intersecting axis as kind of like gnostic and agnostic. And mm-hmm. wherever you land in whatever whatever quadrant you land in and how far toward each of the ones you land in sort of tells you what you are. So I think you can be a Christian. So you're, you're farther down the, the theist end of the spectrum than an atheist end of the spectrum. But you can also be more or less agnostic or more or less Gnostic, right? Mm-hmm. So there are people I know who are atheists and they are Gnostic atheists. In other words, they are absolutely certain mm. Of their atheists, yeah, and then they're also they're also theists who are incredibly agnostic theists. In other words, they believe in God, but they don't necessarily feel or need to feel some sort of level of certainty concerning their belief that other people might. Whereas a fundamentalist would be a very very gnostic theist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, would, you, would you say though that like the agnostic 
theist is different than the agnostic Christian. Like to me, it's it's more difficult to be an agnostic Christian than it's being an agnostic theist. Well, I don't know. I mean, why don't like t- tell us what you sort of what what are you thinking of people like Pete Rollins when you talk about um, Christian agnosticism? Well, yeah, but I also I like to label myself as that. I mean, I don't like labels, but I guess which where I'm at is um, like I believe in Jesus. Um, I believe he was a real person. For me, it's like I can't prove any of that stuff. Like I do think. Jesus was real, died on the cross, all this stuff. Do I think that's like the only way to get to an afterlife? No, not really. So like personally for me, I will say I'm a Christian, but I'm agnostic because I think most of the Bible is just stories. It's not factual. It's not true. They're just stories. I don't care if someone's like, oh, I've never heard about Jesus. You know, my family's super conservative. So they're like, oh, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to go to hell. I'm like, well, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in all this stuff. And so with me, it's like I believe in some sort of higher power, call it Jesus, call it God, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm agnostic to the point where I'm like, I don't I don't pray. I don't do all these things. So it's like I believe in this teaching and this Jesus, this sky man, as Caleb says. But at the end of the day, it's not provable. It's not knowable. And I'm OK with that. So I'm kind of in that like I believe in Jesus. Can I prove it? No. I'm agnostic because I think a lot of it is just stories, fairy tales, myths, and I'm okay with that. I think how... Oh, sorry, Christian. Oh, I was going to ask. So, like, do you believe in hell, and do you believe that uh, people, um, you know, who aren't Christians can't go to heaven? I mean, where where do you fall on that stuff? Well, I don't believe in hell. So well, you, you kind of believe in it, but you don't believe that people go there. You believe you, I, I don't want to misquote you, Brian, but I think you've said before that you think it's like for the for the the devil and his. Yeah, I would look at hell. It would be not for humanity's sake, but like if you use like in Revelation where it's like for Satan and his demons. Like I would go that far, but even with that, like my mom even brought up a good point. She's more progressive than I thought she was, but like hell could be. Like if you're, you know, struggling with cancer, you you know, you have like a terminal disease, you, you went through a nasty divorce, you, you know, whatever it could be like that could be someone's hell, not like, a you know, a place that you're going to spend all of eternity in. Um, I don't believe in like a hell is a literal place like, oh, you die and, you know, you didn't accept Jesus into your heart and you go there forever. I just I don't even think that's biblical. Um, so, yeah, I mean. From where I grew up, I grew up as Sons of God, if you know that denomination. So I was very Pentecostal, very evangelical. And I'm luckily I'm in the denomination that they don't really care <laughs> what your theology is, really, as long as, I guess, you believe in some sort of God. Um, but I, I, I'm comfortable with Christian agnosticism just because I believe in Jesus or the sky man. But provo- the provability or the logic behind it, you know, I don't think anybody can really get there. I think it's interesting, like the kind of wide range of, of defining the term agnostic, because I think um, where a lot of people come from, um, maybe where, because uh, I've heard you talk about this a lot, Brian, because we, we talk about this a lot and, and we've done a lot of podcasts about this, but I, I feel like when, when you come with the term agnostic, you're saying no one knows. It's, it's almost a little de- definition of, you know, not knowing you know, so it's like it's like no one knows, and so. But this is what I lean towards. This is what I feel. Yeah. And then there's obviously you can just say 
this is what I this is what I feel. So I want to believe this is what I cling to, but I don't fully know and I can't fully know. And you're just kind of acknowledging that nobody knows. And so it's almost more of a, a blanket. It's a wider kind of shotgun term as opposed to saying like I just just kind of throwing your hands up and just saying like I can't know or I can't even try to know. Yeah, I guess that's a fair shake. Like I don't really think anybody can know mm-hmm. about it. And I guess I'm you know I'm okay with that. I mean, I think religion is we're all trying to find some sort of meaning to life through some sort of God or deity or practice. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know if we die, if we go into the ground or what. But yeah. And I guess I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that ambiguity and mm-hmm. that not knowing. One of the things that I, I find helpful is, is the idea that um, theology is anthropology. You know, the idea that you know, yeah. and this this can be applied to a lot more things in theology. But when somebody says something about some other group of people or about the nature of reality or truth or whatever, I'm more interested in what what they're saying about themselves, even though they don't think they're talking about themselves. They think they're talking about the Mexicans at the border who are <laughs> going to take over our country, or their or the, the hell the hell that awaits everyone who does is not in the in group, right? But but. What 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 interests me more than anything is trying to decipher what people are saying about themselves when they think they're talking about something else, right? Mm-hmm. And so you look yeah. at you look at you know kind of medieval hell, you know, and the doctrine of hell. Um, you know, to me, it's it, it, you know reading reading Dante or something, or even reading you know Paul or John in the New Testament. You know, it's like what you know. What is this this idea of hell, for example? What does that say about the person who's espousing it? You know, um, right. and that's what me are is, they projecting onto that? Yes, idea? you know. So what 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 I'm hearing, you know, from you is that because uh, for evangelicals, hell is like the one thing that like you, do not take yeah, hell away yeah, from yeah. me. I don't want to live right. in a world. I don't want to. I, I do not want to worship a god who's not gonna just torture trillions of people (laughs) forever right you know and so it's like okay so what you're not telling me anything about god you're telling me a lot about yourself and what i'm hearing is that unless there is some external threat or um you know a carrot and a stick right unless there's some external motivation either in the form of a reward for obedience or a punishment for disobedience you can't find any rationale or any reason to be a good person and to love your neighbor. That to me, and, and that, and I think that is true and largely in the, in the evolution of humankind's religious consciousness. I think that was largely a driving factor about humankind, right? For a lot, for a long time. And so that, I think that makes a lot of sense out of why there needed to be a hell you know, so I, rather than to me, like a lot of because when I when I read liberal theologians, I get sometimes I get uncomfortable when they say things like, "Well, the Bible doesn't teach hell, and the Bible doesn't even." Brian, what you were saying a second ago about, I don't think it's biblical to say that unless you unless you believe in Jesus, you're going to suffer for all eternity. I'm more comfortable saying no. I like I think that that is what it says. Like I think the conservative reading of Scripture is probably the most faithful one. I think the the more interesting question though is. But why did those people who wrote the Bible say that? Why did they have that paradigm? And do we need that paradigm now? So a good example is like 
the idea Christian was talking a minute ago about like, unless you're married, you can't have sex with somebody. Like, I think that's probably the best. Like if two, if two exegetes were to have a debate about the role of sex and, 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 and the need for marriage, I think the conservative one would probably win the debate as far as if we're working from the, the material in scripture, it's going to, you're going to, the, the idea that you're supposed to get married and only have sex with the person you're married to is that that guy's probably going to win the debate. So I'm more comfortable with saying, but why did they think that then? And do we still need that now? As opposed to saying, I don't think that's what it actually says. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. So right. so I get uncomfortable sometimes with liberal theologians who say like, well, the, I don't, the Bible doesn't actually teach hell or the Bible doesn't actually teach the need for chastity um, or, or, or like, no, I think it actually does teach those things. But I think the, the more interesting question is, but why did it teach those things? Is, is that giving us theology or is it giving us anthropology? And do we need that external institutional, let's say, matrimonial factor to, to exist in order for there to be uh, a relationship between two faithful people who are monogamous with one another? In other words, yeah, if you can have the thing without the institutional shotgun pointed at your head, then why not just have that? And, you know, in other words, the need for the, the marriage certificate may not necessarily be there anymore for people to figure out a way to get the goal of that marriage certificate in their lives. And if you have the goal, or in the broader sense, if you can love your neighbor without the need for there to be hell or heaven, then isn't that the point? But here's my question for you with that is it seems like you're saying, uh, you know, do we need that paradigm anymore? But the question I'm asking is, shouldn't the question be, is that paradigm true, whether we need it or not? And, and I guess I don't think of it in terms of that. I, like I said, like I, I think I'm more interested in why this paradigm exists in someone's life and how it's functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I talk to like a conservative evangelical person, it's like, I don't know that we can prove our paradigms, but but I'm curious as to why you have that paradigm and and how that functions for you and how it does the heavy lifting and a lot of your thinking and behavior. But I think that like a lot of evangelicals could say, I don't um, like this paradigm, but I, mm-hmm. I believe that this is what the Bible teaches. And right, so, yeah. right. Like, I believe it's true. It's and, almost like it's like law versus value. It's like, is this law? Is this is this is this a, a steadfast law or is, this, or is there value in this? To be taken away from it, yeah, and I would agree that like for um, like if we were if we were debating one of our old youth pastors in Calvary Chapel who said what you just said, like I, I believe it's true and I believe this is what the Bible teaches. Um, I'm saying I rather than disagree with them that no, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches what I think because if I were to do that, I'm working from the same paradigm as them, namely that what the Bible teaches is, is correct and we have to conform to that. And what that makes me do is turn the Bible into a wax nose that I can just make say whatever I already think. I'd rather say, no, I agree with you. The Bible definitely teaches that. And I definitely am out of step with the Bible here. But does that matter? And why? That to me is kind of more interesting. And, and um, It's interesting, but I think you'd lose them immediately. They would just be like... Oh, I, I do, that's why I don't talk to them. That's why I don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, don't, I rarely, if ever engage in any kind of theological discussion with think, those people. I almost it's think, like, what's the point? I think you're more right in what you believe, but I think they're more right in why they believe it. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm, like, I think I think that you are, are, are right in the actual things you believe, but I think that they are looking at it from not what do I like more, what makes me a better person, or what makes humanity better, but what is actually true. And that's where I would say, you know, if Jesus is right that the the end or the goal of the law and the prophets is love of neighbor, then... Um, I would just work from there and say, well, if the fruit of your theology is such that you are just a xenophobe and a, and a homophobe and a racist, which they would not, a lot of those people that we're talking about, like we know they're not, they're not those things over, on purpose overtly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but it's like, but if you, if you, if you think that the poor are lazy and, and black people are just, you know, using their welfare checks to buy new shoes and they're gaming the system and the ra- Mexicans are rapists, like, if that's the fruit of your of your theology, then I think your theology is wrong without my having to engage on some exegetical level at all. It's like you're an asshole. Um, your theology, if your theology makes you an asshole, then your theology is wrong. Just already, like so. That's where I'm starting, and it's like we can talk about this text or that text, and you might actually win the d- exegetical debate. But that just might mean the guy who wrote the text is an asshole too. So what's what good is that? Yeah, but there are there are um, lots of Christians who believe in hell who aren't assholes, right? Yeah, for sure. So, but do they but do they believe in it though? Like we, this goes back to our, one of our earliest arguments on DXP is like with with Pete Rollins when when he came on and told you guys that you that you Christian believe in hell and you Jason don't. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, and then you told him to go fuck himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was hilarious. That's, oh my god. Yeah, so but you know, it's like you're right. There are a lot of people, a lot of Christians who believe in hell who aren't assholes. But do they do they believe in it or not? Because mm-hmm. I, for me, I've come to conclude that I don't know if I ever really believed in it because I'd never lived as though. I or the hundreds of people I interact with on a daily basis might go there if we die, which we might do any moment. Yeah. So I, I wasn't standing there shaking people going, repent, flee from the wrath to come. And it's like, because I probably just didn't believe in it. Yeah. And you kept listening to you too, without even being worried that it was going to send you to hell. <laughs> I know, right? There I go again. That's a bold stance. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a hard time with that view. I, I like it, but I, to me, I have a hard time divorcing myself from the idea that no matter what it makes you believe, you have, if it's true, you have to believe it. You know? um, but that, 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 right. that, that opens up a, a, a bigger question of sort of like scientific discourse versus narrative discourse or um, are, all, are, are all claims the same kinds of claims? Because I agree, like... That gra- the law of gravity exists, or that this event happened on this date, or if you boil, if you heat water to a certain temperature, it will boil. Like those are like well, that, what temperature that, is that? A uh, hundred degrees Celsius. <laughs> um, but see that those kinds of claims are either true or they're not. Yeah. Right. Because they're the they're a certain kind. You're making a certain kind of claim, whether it's a logical claim like two plus two is four, or a, a, a match a bachelor is is an unmarried male. But the problem is that when you're talking about spiritual things, the danger, I think, is to conflate all spiritual claims into that category of either logically necessary or mathematically necessary. Whereas, like, whether or not there's a God 
or what kind of God that is or what happens after we die, those might be an altogether different sort of claim playing according to the rules of a different language game that might not be susceptible to being true or false the way a historical claim or a logical claim might be susceptible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you call it like an emotional claim? The the claim to the the assertion of this is my God or, or this is the God, or, which I guess is I'm making it by trying to specify my question. I'm making it even more gray. I think I'm, I'm making it even I'm less clarifying what I'm trying to ask you. But is it is it an emotional or a, uh, uh, a like a, a passionate claim as opposed to like a scientific or mathematical claim to even discuss the nature of a God? Well, I think for like an evangelical person, like what we, we used to be, all of us, um, certainly they want what they want to say is I'm just simply describing reality as it is. And reality yes. says there's a God, Agreed. a mathematical, but scientific they reality. They can't like extricate themselves emotionally or existentially from that claim as though I'm just dispassionately describing the nature of reality. Right. But it's like, yes. you know, you, like, like we've seen it before, you, you take away hell from somebody or you introduce them to a thinker who no longer believes in the kind of traditional doctrine of hell and they lose their shit because mm-hmm. it, because they're not just because they're not like a, a scientist in a, with a lab coat on and another scientist comes along and says, hey, I think that this might be the way this these two cells interact. Oh, well, let's look through the microscope and decide but you're, you're <laughs> yeah. taking something very, very personal away from them when you if you mm-hmm. deny something they believe. And so. Yeah, that those kinds of claims I think function on a much more deep existential level, even yeah. than they might want to admit. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. So, and at the end of the day, those those claims really only affect their own internal reality. It does not affect your external reality the way that, like, if if I throw a rock at Brian right now, it's going to hit him in the head and hurt him. Whereas if I proclaim to Brian that. Oh, God hates the color purple, so you should take that shirt off. Like that's not going to affect him, you know, on, on on his own in within his own atmosphere. The way that that I think it's like an absolute truth or something like that. I don't know if that's too. I don't know. He's a Vikings fan. He might get pretty offended by that. That's God is a Vikings fan as well. Oh, really? I don't know if you guys knew that or not, but uh, I thought he was a Seahawks fan. <laughs> wow, you've completely bought into this after moving living in Minnesota for a year. Yeah, that's that's upsetting to me. I actually I. I try to give a fuck about sports, but I'm not doing very well at it. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Do you guys ever? Uh, were you guys athletes in in high school? Jason was a surfer, and I was a volleyball, volleyball and soccer player. So in oh, California, right. guys play volleyball. Oh, I've heard your volleyball <laughs> stories about your your suntan. Oh yeah, the, the yeah. backwards hat. I used to wear my yeah. hat backwards. Yeah, and I had right. a little like that that little like half. Semicircle <laughs> hole in the back would create a crescent moon. Yeah, it didn't matter though because I never didn't wear a hat. So yeah, but if I took the hat off, you'd be like, "Oh, wow, that's funny." <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, do you have more deep shit, Brian? Or do you? I could, but you know, I don't have to say it. I'm not stopping you, bro. Well, no, I just think with me, kind of why I said that Christian agnosticism, because I mean, I grew up so evangelical, you know, stuff pretty much thrown down my throat you know like you have to believe in hell you have to do this this and this and you know i i have my master's and my doctorate and i think over through all the years in school being introduced to other theologians whether they're liberal conservative or people who you know weren't on any kind of spectrum that i was like i get to the end of seminary 
and studying all these things, getting ready for the pastorate. And I, I mean, I remember saying to my wife, I'm like, no one knows anything. That's just me. I'm like, we know things, but at the end of the day, it's like we have these boxes that we're like, I, I have to believe in this. I have to believe in this. I have to believe in this. And for me, like in my head, in my mind, I'm like, we don't have to believe in it. It just makes us feel comfortable. It makes us feel safe. We want to know where we're going to go when we die, where some people do. And I guess to me, at the end of the days, I'm like, we don't. We don't know. And for me, I don't whether agnosticism works. I don't know. I'm comfortable with that. I'm just like, at the end of the day, is I have too many questions about the Bible. I have too many questions about how it was written, you know, the whole hermeneutical part. And then just with our theology, like I understand theology is us trying to understand God at some sort of level. But, you know, I love talking about and some of my degrees are in it. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, I get it's like, I don't care. (laughs) I know it sounds bad, but I spent all that money in seminary to get to this. It was definitely point, uh, definitely something that affected me before I would have said I'm agnostic was all the arguing about theology, you know, and all the Mm -hmm. all the different views of everything. And then. I mean, kind of one of the things that pushed me over the edge was you becoming Catholic because it was like, then I talked, it was like we went from evangelical to Calvinists and then, uh, you know, Presbyterian. And then all of a sudden you were, you were talking to me for years about Catholicism. And it's kind of like, I, at some point I just kind of went, well, nobody fucking knows. And, mm, yeah. um, you know, if, if God was actually trying to write some book to give us a, uh, an idea of what to believe. He did a shit job because nobody can agree on anything. But this is where the Catholic argument comes in <laughs> yeah. because the Catholic would say, absolutely. The idea that we can somehow deduce truth from a book that can't interpret itself is, is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, the why church the, has to do it. Yeah. The Catholic would say, but that's why in the same way that America wasn't started by like George Washington, writing the constitution, giving everybody a copy of it and saying, interpret this for yourselves see ya but instead there's a body of living men white landowning men mind you right we're not crazy <laughs> as it should be um <laughs> but you know there's a there's there's a you know there's a judicial branch that interprets it there's a legislative branch there's an executive branch of of living humans that you need to address new issues that arise and so i think the irony is that the catholic position would be that yeah of course evangelicalism leads to atheism or agnosticism because you got a Bible that says stuff that doesn't make sense and there's no one living who has the authority to tell you what it means. Yeah, but then they came right. up with transubstantiation. That's and, it, and it's, it's like the, the <laughs> bread and the wine turns into the body and blood of Jesus, literally. And it's like, well, I right. just, I, yeah, I, you know, I can't buy what you guys are selling either. Yeah, and that's fine. But at least there, there's a difference between... Um, I get that there's a different paradigm between Catholicism and the rest of Christianity. Yeah. Uh, And that's why there's the Catholic thing ratchets it up because it's like, if you deny, if you're, if you're a heart, if you're like an Orthodox Catholic, which I am not, but if you, at least you know that I, I am denying what the God ordained um, spokespeople say is true. But as you don't really to, believe they're God ordained spokespeople. Uh, but 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 it's still it's a different it's a, the nature of the the nature of it all is different. Whereas like if you're a Protestant, you can say, oh, I'm just good. I don't believe that, so I'm just going to start my own denomination, or start my own church, and, and and say what I think is true. Whereas if you're a Catholic, it's like, no, I'm just going to go ahead and deny uh, what Jesus's vicar on earth says. <laughs> Fuck, I'm just gonna... but it's like it's but it's more it's more defined. So it's like you can know 
And like for Protestantism, you for sure know that according to Catholicism, you're going to hell. Yeah, yeah. You're either because in Protestants, it like like there's no such thing as orthodoxy <laughs> and heresy in Protestantism because orthodoxy is just what I agree with and what I think the Bible says, and people who agree with me are orthodox. Like you're a heretic to a specific church. Yeah, but not in to Catholicism, you, like, street. but in Catholicism, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a heretic for reals. Right. And then that feels good. You know where you stand. Yeah. (laughs) That feels good. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. But at least I I think but at least I think it can be taken more seriously. I think the Catholic claim can be taken more seriously. And because you can either deny it or not deny it. Like it's same That should scare you though. But it's like if the Supreme Court makes a decision that that this that this we've decided on this issue and it's set. It's it's precedent now. So it's like you can know whether Mm. or not you're in line with what what the uh, the official interpretation of the law is, as opposed to having a society where everyone just does what's right in their own eyes and in- interprets the law how they think it should be interpreted. Now you just never know where you stand. Whereas at least in, in Catholicism, you can know like, this is what the church teaches. I disagree, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with the consequences of that. But at least you can know what it is you're what it is you're supposed to think, as opposed to in Protestantism, it's just like, ah, you don't like what we say, just go start your own church down the street and... You know, do whatever you want. And it's like, okay, well, that's cool. But it's like, I don't really take it seriously as any kind of like intellectually rigorous thing. You don't take Catholicism seriously either. I, well, there's a sense in which I do. <laughs> I love How many I, times have you been to confession, Jason? That's what I was just going to ask you. When was the last time you went to confession? He asked me how many times I've been. That's the question <laughs> I want to answer. Plenty of times. I just haven't been in a few years. Uh, have I you committed arrange. any mortal sins since you've been to confession last? Yeah, yes. So you don't take it seriously. That's the same thing to me as, as as like not actually believing in hell because you're not actually going out and telling people you're going to hell. But then it comes back down to theology being anthropology. Like why? So I agree that this, in the same way I was saying before, I might agree that, that our old youth pastor is interpreting the New Testament faithfully. And I'm just, I just don't believe the New Testament. I'm not going to try to convince him, no, I'm the one who's convi- interpreting it correctly, and, and you're not. No, you are. I disagree with it. And the same with the Catholic Church, where it's like, yeah, I, um, I'm more interested in why do you think that something like masturbation is a mortal sin? Like, that to me is a more like, I'm not really concerned with masturbation being a mortal sin. Me neither. I'm more concerned with... Um, why do you me think neither. it is? I, I, it's interesting to me why why you might think it is. You know, you being the Catholic uh, priest or whatever. Right. It's like, huh? That's like I because I, I'm more interested in the anthropological end of the people's theology than that it actually points to something true. The capital T. You know. Mm-hmm. What uh, what then kind of binds you, uh, Jason, to to Christianity? Is uh, I'll, I'll preface it like this for me. And we may have even talked about this before because I talk about the same shit over and over and over. It's a fucking nightmare, I swear to God. Uh, but, uh, you know, for me, it's like I I will probably always use the adjective Christian to, to describe myself just because it's a cultural context through which I see the world. Maybe it's because I was brainwashed. I was brainwashed. But I'm saying maybe the reason for that is brainwashing. Maybe the reason for that is conditioning. But, like, I will always see the world through these reference points, through the through this grid through this, you know, um, through these, this terminology, through, through whatever worldview I was given, as broken as it was, and I'm just trying to piece it back together, and I'm going to rebuild it. But it's, it's through the same pieces, through the same hardware, through the same physical, 
I'm going to build something out of the rubble, I guess is what I'm saying. And, and, and so it's going to look totally different at the end of the day, but I've still, I've been given these tools and as broken and as changed as they are, I can't fucking help it. Like in this life, it's going to always reference back to, to Christianity because that's literally all that I was fed. That was my sustenance throughout up and I mean, throughout my adulthood, I mean, uh, even past becoming an adult, you know, I was like probably like 23 before I even started acknowledging my doubts. And so that's always going to be an imprint on myself. And so I acknowledge, okay, that is why I have to use these terms and use this context. And yeah, I, I highly, most days I highly doubt that there is a God and, but I'm still going to use this mythology and this terminology and things like that. And so I'm not going to deny the fact that I am a Christian within cultural terms, not necessarily within like evangelical or Catholic or any other terms, but like, so what for you, Jason and, and Christian, I'm I'm curious about both of you guys. Like, how, how do you feel like, I know Christian for you, it, it was, a you, it was, um, probably closer to my upbringing as far as being raised in it and kind of saturated with it. But, but Jason, I'm curious as to why for you, you, you still uh, hold on. I'm not saying you cling to it. I'm not saying it's unhealthy or healthy. I'm just curious as, as to why, is it because you just, you profoundly believe that there is a God and that, that Christ is, it doesn't sound like you're exclusivist. Doesn't, it doesn't sound like you don't get any value from other religions or anything like that, but I'm just curious as to why this is the vocabulary that you choose not having been like oversaturated with it like like probably the, the the other three of us have been honestly like probably how how Brian Christian and I have been well <clears throat> i mean i think that i mean part of it is you know to echo what you said Caleb um you know i'm a i'm a westerner and so this yeah. is this is my tradition you know um you know i'm not a i i didn't grow up in the east and so i i don't come from a hindu or buddhist tradition um, yeah. I didn't grow up in the Near East where I might have a more orthodox tradition. I grew up yeah. in in the West. And so um, Western Christianity is is just the air that we breathe, you know, largely. Yeah. Uh, you know, but is I also, it inherited? I'm sorry. Is, is it yeah, like there's inherited? This, there's a sense in which it is, you know, that, that you know, you, okay. you grow up and you see you grew up seeing nativity scenes at Christmas time. Whether you were raised Christian or not, you you kind of know about Jesus and God and Mary and the Holy Spirit and all this kind of thing. Like we we do inherit a lot of it just by osmosis. But also, I think that there is a sense in which, um, you know, I, I was talking I was talking with um, my girlfriend just at lunch today about the Gillette commercial, the new Gillette commercial about toxic masculinity, and and the and we're going to talk about this on our DXP that we're going to record tonight. But we're just talking about the fact that so many men are up in arms and freaking out and they resent the implication that all men are rapists and all men are misogynists and all men are these cavemen who club women over the head and drag them by their hair into the cave and all that. And it's like one of the things we were talking about was the fact that um, maturity, I would suggest, dictates that if I'm a part of the dominance cultural group as a straight white man Mm -hmm. um i have to recognize that um there's a power dynamic involved in everything and that a lot of people who are like me have in fact um been misogynist and racist and ignorant of their own privilege right 
even though I, I may not be guilty of those things, at least at this moment in my life, but people like me are. And there's a sense in which it's incumbent on me, I think, as a as a liberal progressive person to die on the cross for the sins of my people. Hmm. Right. Which I think is a true statement, regardless of whether Christianity is a thing. But because I grew up in a Christian context, I'm going to say it like I just did. Right. And Mm -hmm, so I'm going to say, what's the Jesus thing to do in this moment? The Jesus thing to do is to say, yeah. yeah. Um, my people, straight white men have, have inflicted a lot of harm on the world and have, um, caused a lot of pain and suffering for other minorities, you know, outgroup people. And so when they are telling me how people like me make them feel, it's my right. job to listen and to not defend myself. Then again, I'm hearkening back to Isaiah 53 and the, you know, the trial narratives of Jesus where he opened not his mouth in self-defense and I, I might need in certain times to allow myself to be castigated and right. uh, punished and nailed to a cross, not for anything sure. I did wrong, but for what my people have done. So yeah, that, that to me is a, a way in which I'm using explicitly Christian language to tap into something that I think is just true. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah if yeah. I were sure, a Buddhist, sure. I'd probably be saying this. If I were living somewhere in like Tibet, I'd be saying the same exact thing in a way that mm-hmm. makes sense for people who live there. And I'd be saying a bunch of Buddhist shit to make the same point. Yeah. So maybe it's like the absolute truth of selflessness and then the more subjective truth of using the terminology of of Christianity or the culture. You know, and so if Jesus, if the whole point about Jesus is he was self-emptying, self-giving, self-sacrificial in in his love for the other to the point where he refuses to to meet violence with violence, then I'm going to tap into that because that's my culture. And I like it. I like it, you know. Yeah. But if I lived somewhere else and had grown up somewhere else, I'd probably say the same kind of thing using the the cultural vocabulary and lexicon of that place. And, yes. You know, very well put. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was very eloquent. Yeah, totally. Any thoughts there, Christian? Or I, I mean, I, uh, I think I shy away from christian terminology because of how i was raised and is that do you think that in itself though is a reaction to the the brainwashing quote-unquote or the i don't want to be too dramatic i know we we weren't necessarily raised in a cult if you define it by certain terms i I would say indoctrinated over brainwashed yes yeah yeah, yeah. um conditioned but conditioned sure um no i mean i i used christian terminology until i was 35 or so um but like somebody wrote me yesterday and said, you know, I know you don't believe in providence anymore, but I believe the Lord's working out all these things, you know. Uh, yeah. And I was just like, to me, I think 10 years ago, I wouldn't even thought about the terminology of that. But to me, when I read that, it came across as like, that's weird, you know, to say that. Stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like what you're saying yeah, is it weird. Is. I'm yeah. so far divorced from it now that that kind oh. of thing just seems like, wow, you're so steeped in your culture of Christianity that you don't even realize that what you're saying sounds bizarre. And I think maybe about like 10 years ago or so, I remember riding in a car with some, with my friends from Minnesota actually. And I was, they weren't raised religious in the same way that I was. I mean, I think everybody in Minnesota goes to church on Sundays, but like they, so they went, they went to church, but they weren't at all interested in it or raised as a Christian you know, but I was explaining the rapture to them. And I remember just thinking, I talked about it for like five minutes and I just remember going, wow, I, that sounds insane. I sound like a crazy person when I talk about that. 
And I know like if I talk to my girlfriend about it who has no religious upbringing, uh, she just is like, wow, when somebody says like, I'll pray for you, it just seems so weird to me, you know? Oh, for sure. And so I I think I've gotten to that point for myself where I'm hypersensitive to to language that um, kind of betrays that you don't even realize how steeped in religion your culture is. So I tend to avoid it. Um, for sure myself yeah. or terminology that references it you know as much yeah. as possible yeah that that brings to mind for me anyways and if i'm rabbit holing too much here go for it brian let me know but uh it brings to mind to me and this is nothing original as a thought at all but like this the idea that uh to be an atheist or to identify as an atheist you have to have the reference point of being a theist you know, an, an atheist can only exist in a culture or a society where it's saturated with theists, where you have that reference point. Like, what if you were just born on a desert island and, you know, this, and this is, funnily enough, as you guys I'm sure know, this is a classic kind of uh, evangelical um, preface. But, like, what if you're born on a desert island, you never have the reference point of religion or anything like that. Are you going to come to the conclusion that there is a God? Will you will you default to theist and so you have to push against it? Probably fucking not. And so the idea of being an atheist, even just as a point of reference, is responding to theism, obviously. And like I said, like this has been said by so many, you know, uh, philosophers and, and theologians and scholars before me. But before, oh, that was should have worded that one a little bit better. But uh, you know, think but, you're a scholar. <laughs> uh, you just made it worse, bro. <laughs> I had an edit point there, and you just fucked it up. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but yeah, it's just like you know. One of my favorite quotes about atheists is that I, I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's that thing of the atheist just believe in one less god. Like, there's how many gods that's good in, in yeah. the in the world, and Christians say. You know, I don't believe in, say there's 400 gods, Christians go, I don't believe in 399 of them. An atheist just yeah. goes, I just don't believe in four 400 of them. I just sure. believe in one less God than you do, you know? Right, yeah, no, um, that's good, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I I'm, not, I'm not an atheist. I guess, like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't consider myself an atheist. You do not? No. At all? Uh-uh. No. But I don't consider myself a theist by any means either. I just consider myself, right. an, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I know more. It, I know more what I don't believe than I than what I do believe. Yeah, is it like of no concern to you in your mind, or is it like just is it is it a disbelief, or is it just like of no concern? There's definitely a disbelief in like the God that I grew up believing in. You yeah, know? I very mm-hmm. specifically reject that. Um, but you know, I, I think the idea that there's some God that is up there and so concerned with every little thing we do and just waiting to separate the sheep from the goats and send people to hell yeah. and all that stuff. I mean, I, I, I specifically reject that, you know, and that, that was hard for me for a long time to reject that. Cause I was still afraid of it, but I, I, it's been a long time since I've stayed up late at night and been afraid of that type of thing. Sure. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. This is deep. This is deep. <laughs> I'm just taking it all in just because I can see what Jason's saying and I also see what Christian's saying and I'm almost not saying that I'm wanting to pick sides but I'm almost more of agnosticism makes more sense to me as a way of thinking than Christianity just because my whole life I've always been indoctrinated conditioned what you were saying Christian and now 
finally in the last, I don't know, five years of kind of thinking on my own, just like feeling like fully like these are my views, these are my own personal things. Like growing up, if I was like, oh, I don't believe in hell or I don't believe in this, like I would literally get so scared, you know, and have anxiety of like, I don't believe in hell. What if I do go to hell if even though I don't believe in it and now you know, I'm 35 and now I'm just like, I, I don't really care. Like I shouldn't live my life believing if this thing is true or not. I should just live my life as a good person, you know, treating people kindly, like loving right. my wife, loving my child and, you know, doing all that stuff instead of being like, do I believe this about God? Do I not believe this right. about God? Do I believe that these people are going to go here or not? Like I just am at the point where I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like I have my own, personal beliefs but i don't ever push those on other people kind of like growing up where it was like you need to go out and evangelize the people i'm like and that i guess that word always kind of got to me i was like evangelize like they need something that i don't have like we tell people they need jesus but we can't give them food or water or you know housing if we can't give them those basic things then why are we talking about jesus so all these things has always made me now looking at it in hindsight, like suspect, like, did I ever believe in God fully or was it just something I was conditioned to? And now as an older and more mature adult that I was like, that's just a bunch of, you know, crap. I, yeah. I don't know. I just wonder within the context of the mythology and of the stories, what fucking all knowing God dumps a child. I'm using Christian terminology again, dumps a child into a world fully unknowing and expects them to assemble pieces of a fully disjointed story to come to, to, to the concept that they have to like pray the sinner's prayer or they have to like believe the specific series of events historically or that they have to, to, you know, to yeah. subscribe to it. We to a talk about that a lot kind of early on about if God is trying to get people to all believe one thing, he's like really not good at it. He's yeah. really bad at it, you know. Dick move God. Fifty thousand different denominations, you know, and it's just he's not doing a good thing, good good job of explaining things to people. Yeah. No, he's bad at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. right. What's your guys' podcast called? Uh, this is going to be dual released on Air of Grievances, my little interview podcast, and Sacred Collective. Okay, which is that's the one that. So Brian started a group that met and the idea was originally was either to be a small group or a church, just kind of a group of people who were yeah. being honest about where they were at. Yeah, it's it's more of like everyone has a sacred voice, whatever that voice is, um, and a safe place to say it, like everyone's story is important. And I wanted it to kind of be like a UCC kind of like church plant thing and I had no idea what was going on with mm-hmm. it. And then not too long after kind of had that vision i met caleb and then caleb was like hey i'm can i come and visit sure it's whatever we just had some food and drinks and started hanging out and then he's like let's start recording it and my wife was like instead of doing a church let's just do a podcast i was mm-hmm. like sounds like a fantastic idea as i listen to podcasts all yeah. the time at work and it was funny because the very first episode that we did like so i came to a meeting or meeting to a it's honestly just like a dinner and us like sitting around talking sort of thing yeah but i came to the first one and brian agreed or i came to one and then the first one that i recorded brian agreed to let me like set up a little room microphone 
sort of setup, and uh, it sounded like shit. It was just people constantly just talking over each other and like eating and stuff like that. And then we kind of we set out just you know just everyone kind of briefed each other on mm-hmm. you know giving each other feedback and stuff like that. And uh, and so now we do it every other week. We do interviews with people. We most recently this is a good little kind of cross promotion. We had Brian's um, very conservative brother and his friend who is a a, a minority uh, Republican, which is interesting in and of itself, um, on there. And, and so we kind of got a little bit of injection of, of the other side of things in into that. So, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have to cut out all the fuck, fucks for the uh, the collective one? Sacred Collective? No, we say a lot of fucks on there. And it was funny because uh, my brother's friend was like, I'm going to sneak some curse words in there. Is that okay? And my brother's <laughs> like, yeah, I, I think that's fine. My brother even snuck a curse word in there. I think he was trying to be hip um, <laughs> trying to, to be that. Hip. Trying to be hip. No, yeah, it's fun, though. It's great. That's cool. We have about, I don't know, 23, 23 episodes? Yeah, we just released the 23rd one. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. we're newbies at it, or I'm a newbie at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of them are interviews. Some of them are just like conversations. When we did 23 episodes, I felt like we were like, it was like old hat by that time. I'm like, we have 23 episodes. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Crazy. It's a milestone. Speaking of which, we're about to record number 237. Yeah. Yeah. Of Drunk Ex-Pastors. You can yep. find it on your favorite podcasting app. Mm-hmm. Yep. Go right now, www.drunkexpastors.com, patreon.com slash drunkexpastors. <laughs> That's right. You do, that, you do that better than we do. I have to have a, I have to ask the question, where did uh, Dick Bush come from? <laughs> So I was early, early on, sometime in the first 20 episodes, probably, I, I was talking about a guy. I, I have a friend back in uh, Southern California whose last name is Bush, and his dad, who's a, who's a, um, he's probably, probably has died. I mean, he was pretty elderly at the time, but his name was Dick. You know, this is, so my friend Gary's dad was named Dick Bush. And I just mentioned it. I think we we're talking about something random. And I just mentioned like, oh, man, I got a friend whose dad's named Dick Bush. You know, like that's so rad and stuff. And then the next week, someone calls and leaves us a voicemail going like, ah, Dick Bush here. Uh, you know, and then he'd <laughs> sign off going Dick Bush out, you know, and it became a thing where it's like he'd call every week and we didn't know who he was. You know, we've since learned who he is. <laughs> um, but at first we had no idea who this guy was, but he'd call in. And even now, people will leave us a voicemail, and they'll sign off and say "Dick Bush out." I don't know why, what people that don't even means. Know why they're saying it? Yeah. I don't. But, but that, <laughs> that's what everyone says here, and so it's just become this thing where he like start. He started a Twitter. He's got a Twitter account now, Dick Bush, and and it's like a thing where it just took on a life of its own. But that's it all started because I randomly mentioned that my friend's dad was named Dick Bush, and that's where it, where it went. Very nice. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We need a cool story like that on, on ours. Maybe. <laughs> well, we're losing steam, boys. I think we're about uh, about ready to to call her a call her a wrap. Cool. Just in the in the sake of uh, staying on brand, I think we should all go around and say the the average number of times in a given week that we masturbate, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm comfortable with saying. Okay. That. Well, sounds good. <laughs> Do I have, just, do I have a girlfriend ju- or not? I'll just say five. <laughs> I'll say five. I'm going to say average in the past 10 years. Average That's in the past fair. 10 years? Yeah, sure. What's your average in the past 10 years? Uh, 1.7-ish, 1.8. 
a week? No, no, a day. A oh, day. day. Oh, oh I'm, I may have worded that wrong. I'm, oh, okay. cu- I'm curious how you can eight eight tenths of a masturbation session. I know. I was like, well, I'm, it's an average. Yeah. I bring I myself to the very verge. Of I got it. Like seven pumps. Don't listen to them. I got it. It's closer to two than it is to one. There you go. That's all. Uh, yeah, that's. that's good, it all depends on if you ever are you do you have are you with somebody or not. You know. Yeah. Eh, arguable, but and am I gonna am I gonna see her that day or not? Like when I was married, I masturbated like all the time. Look, boys, I gave you a clear window. Ten years. You got to add up the numbers. It's, it's simple math. Ten years okay. average a week. Ten times a week. A week. Okay. Yeah. A week. Okay. Yeah. Not that. Not that much for me. It, even over the. Even counting when I was married, it was probably uh, five or six times a week. So we're rounding up. Hey, I was like me. Brian? I thought I thought no. I just said I was like probably like five times. <laughs> I, I tried twice. I I was, I'm not going to try a third time. I thought I was like high, but apparently I got to get my yeah, get your shit together, man. More. You need some testosterone yeah. shots or something. Apparently, Maybe. perhaps. <laughs> I just I'm too busy. I don't have time to masturbate. I guess. <laughs> you got to multitask, bro. Huh? You got to learn how to multitask. <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently, every time I shit, I yank it. <laughs> that's kind of gross, man. That's what the guy said on the league. Remember that guy in the league? (laughs) Did he? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he jacks off while he's laying the dude. That's funny. All right, man. That's what you do when you're married. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Gross. All right. Good talking to you guys. Caleb, I'm glad we find... What did we try to do this like a year ago? Was it about a year ago? Yeah, yeah. This has been like a year in the making just about, man. Maybe even a little bit more. I don't know. We tried to do it and it was just like... We don't have the technological savvy to. I hope both we. Talk to you at the I same hope time. we did not disappoint. Yeah, it's been you built up for no, so no. long. Yeah, I know. You know, I hope we didn't let you down. No, dude, <laughs> come on now. This is this is great. This is perfect. And you guys are about to record a DXP episode right now, so we're history in the making. That's so. right. Yeah, yep. and we're yep. pro- we're probably going to talk about having just talked to you guys yep. when we start recording. Like, dude, yep. we just had the best interview. Yep. We're gonna get a bump in listens for sure, thanks to Boom. you guys. Cool. Boom. Yeah, appreciate you guys. Thanks, yeah, guys. all right, guys. Brian, all nice right. to meet Talk. you. Good talking to you guys. Yep. You too. See you Talk guys. later. Bye. Bye. That was fun. A post-Christian production.